And so, our Heavenly Father, we say thank you. We praise you with every fiber in our beings. We give you glory, we give you honor, we give you adoration. Father, you are the only one for us. You are our God, our King, our Father, our everything. We thank you for your presence in our midst this evening. We thank you for your word that is about to come to us. We ask, O oh God, that you will grant us receptive minds for your word in Jesus' name. That the entrance of your word this evening will bring us light in the name of Jesus. Thank you, eternal God. We love you so much. In Jesus' mighty name, we have given thanks. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God, family. Okay, welcome to another session of our study of the book of Ephesians. Last week, we learned about the love of Christ. We learned about the enormity, the immensity of the love of Christ and how it is far-reaching. It's deep, it's wide, it is all-encompassing and it covers everything. And we learned that as we understand and experience this love, we are drawn deeper into God and into His presence so that we don't just come visiting in His presence, but we actually dwell and abide in His presence all the days of our lives. So as we start today's session, uh, I want to notify you to please send in your questions. Into, you can type it on any of the platforms that you are uh, on today. Just type the question as it occurs to you. There are people on standby to harvest it and to send it in so that we can treat it um, as we proceed during today's session. Today, we are going to be reading Ephesians chapter 4 from verses 1 to 11. And there were three things that stood out for me in the place that we are reading today. And the first thing is how we have to walk worthy of Christ's calling. We have to walk worthy of the calling of God upon our lives. And the second one is that we have to maintain, we have to do everything within our capacity Everything that God has given us, we have to use it to maintain the oneness of the body of Christ, to maintain oneness in Christ. Then the third thing is that Christ has given us gifts and he has given them to us generously from his generous supply. He has given us gifts. So let's start with verses 1 to 3, Ephesians 4. We are using the message version of the Bible today. Ephesians 4, 1 to 3 says, in light of this, of all this, here's what I want you to do while I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the master. 
I want you to go out there and walk. Better yet, run on the road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out one for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. So the first thing that stands out for us here is that Apostle Paul, again, he says, look, I'm a prisoner for God. And I know I'm locked up in here, but while I'm locked up in here, I need you to go out there and walk. Then he says, don't just walk, go out there and run. And he says, run the race that is set before you on the road that God has called you to travel. So we have to notice that he says, I may be a prisoner, but I expect you to run. I expect you to run free on the road that God has put you on. And this is strange because if someone is in prison, then it means that they don't have their freedom. And typically the last thing on their mind is, is freedom, is ability to fulfill destiny. But in writing this letter to the Ephesians, Apostle Paul was actually running on the path that God has set out for him, that he would disregard his, uh, what looked like reality and embrace his truth as an apostle of Christ who has been sent to exhort and edify the body. He picked up his pen and he wrote this epistle despite the fact that he was in prison. And he was saying to them, as you see me doing these things, as, as I'm fulfilling purpose and walking on the path God has called me to, I expect you to do nothing less than this. I expect you to do much more than just walking or sauntering. I expect you to run on the path that you're called to. The same thing uh, that he says applies to us modern day Christians. And another thing that we have to notice is the fact that it said there's a path that you have been called to. There's a road that God has called you to walk on. And if you look at different versions of the Bible, this part, it says that you should walk worthy of the calling with which you have been called. And for some people already, when you hear the word calling, it is possible to almost blank out and say, okay, that's for people who are ministers or who are pastors, uh, you know, people who have the calling of God upon their lives. But it says that it is for the church in Ephesus. It is for that church and it is for us as Christians. It is for the church of God. It is not just for the ministers. In fact, this was written for the church itself, for you and I, that we have a calling upon our lives. And God expects us, regardless of what current circumstances may be, to walk worthy of his calling upon our lives. And he gave examples of uh, what it means not to walk worthy, not to, not to run, and not to, to, to proceed on the road we have been called to travel. He says if somebody is sitting around on their hands, 
sitting around on their hands. That means doing nothing, sometimes full of activities, but no measurable progress. Then that person is not running their race. If someone is strolling off, like just even diverting from the path entirely and strolling off on some unknown, unfamiliar path, and anything that is different from what God has called one to is off. And it may be on for some. Somebody's right path may be another person's wrong path because we are called to different paths. And we are going to see further down that even though our destination is the same, we are going to get there along different paths in terms of service paths, how you serve God with your life, with your skills, with your giftings, that there's a path that is reserved for you and you are not expected to stroll off. You are not supposed to go down some path that leads nowhere. You're not supposed to go in fits and starts. Start today, stop in, uh, in a week's time, then start again, then stop in a month's time. It's, uh, and an example that comes to mind is, imagine that someone, for people maybe living in this, on this axis, imagine that someone wants to go to a uh, bus stop, maybe VI, so let's call it bus stop uh, C. Then the person gets on the bus, gets to bus stop B, and stops, crosses the road to the other side and goes back to bus stop A, then takes bus again, stops at B, or stops midway to C, and goes back again. The person is not going to get to their destination. And he says, this is people who start, fit and start, start, stop, start, stop, or going round in circles. And he says, this is not what God expects of us, that we are supposed to steadily, Steadily means consistently pour out ourselves. And then it says you should pour out ourselves for each other in acts of love. So actually, uh, whatever it is that God has called us to serve him with and for, it must be flowing from an act of love towards one another. So whatever that your purpose is, it must be... <laughs> an act of love that is flowing for the other members of the body and I dare say sometimes for the world at large in representing Christ. Yeah? So Apostle Paul says, I may be a prisoner but I'm running my race and I expect you not just to walk but to run your race. And he says, you have a calling, I have a calling. And our calling is to the kingdom of God. We are called to represent Christ in the kingdom, the kingdom of God. So our calling will have aspects of service in the house of God, but it is also a possibility for your calling to have aspects of service in the world, but serving God, not serving the world. And I hope I'm not confusing you that you can go out there and stand on the mountain that God has called you to, representing Christ and bringing God's kingdom to earth and being the vessel that God is using when he says, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he says that the glory of God is going to cover the whole earth. 
So we are supposed to be the vessels that God will use for that. So this is not about us saying, actually, uh, I'm serving in church, um, in the sanitation department. So that is uh, my calling. That is part of your calling. And it is a very, very important, essential part of your calling. But also in your day-to-day -day life, is Christ reflected, not just even reflected. Papi said something on Sunday. He said, Christ doesn't just want to be resident, but he wants to be president of your life. So when we ask of you in your department in church, and they say, oh, such a very driven young man or young woman, fervent for the Lord, at the forefront of development, always bringing great suggestions that can move the, the, the department forward, if you are worker of the month in church, can we go to your workplace and make inquiries about you and the same things will be said about you? Or are you sauntering or taking a leisurely stroll in some aspects of your calling? Yeah? So we have to think these things through. And the thing is even that God doesn't even just want you to uh, represent him casually in what he has called you to do. There was a story that Papi said to us, I think some time back, and the story was about uh, a particular man. I think his name was Michael, and he was the he was the former uh, CEO of uh, one like a uh, cartoon company. Uh, let me find the story. I have it somewhere here. So he was the former CEO of a company that produced cartoons and all of that. And he was saying to Rick Warner uh, that he was saying to him that uh, Michael Eisner, that's his name. And he was saying to Rick Warren that, uh, look, you are building the real kingdom of God and I am building a magical kingdom. And he was saying this at the end of his career, literally he had finished serving he was retired and he was saying if he had known, sort of. And what came to mind was, what if he had the knowledge that we have now, the things we have been learning for the past couple of months, and when we have been asking God to give us these mountains, we fasted about it, we prayed about it, we've done vigils about this, and God has assured us, he has given us different words that showed that he has actually given us these mountains. But what if Michael Eisner, what if he knew these things that we are being taught? We are being taught like the same thing in different ways, just so that we can catch it. That God does not want you at the bottom of the mountain. He doesn't want you to just be a nameless, faceless person in, in the mix of things. That when decisions are being made in that industry that you represent, that you should be at the very forefront of it, being one of the people making the decisions. And as at that time, that you should be able to stand up for God. And if there's a decision that is not in line with God's uh, priority, God's agenda, then you should be the one stopping it. And that is when uh, Esther, for instance, would be told that what if you were put in the palace for such a time as this? So we, if Esther was just 
remaining a, uh, the, the worker's daughter or worker's uh, niece in the palace, she wouldn't have the level of access that she had. And so God is going to open the doors, he's going to make a way for you to get to the top of that mountain because in the spirit it's already established, he already gave it to you. But do you have what it takes? The place that we read, verse, verses 1 to 3, he says that we should do this. We should do it with humility and discipline. He says do it with humility and discipline. That means that in order for you to actually rise and rule the mountain you are called to, there's discipline that is required. There are people who are currently probably more skilled at you at the top of that mountain. You're going to have to be humble. So it says in humility, you should learn. Uh, Joseph had to be humble. He had to learn. He had to learn. And he had to learn from the people he wanted to overthrow on the mountain. Same thing with Daniel. He had to go be a servant so that he can rise to the top of that mountain and then establish God's promise for Israel. Liberation, freedom from captivity. Same thing with Moses. He literally grew up in the palace so that he can learn. But there's a way that we must learn that you have contact, but you are not contaminated. Because if you have something that you want to collect from a strong man, you cannot have something that belongs to him in your hands. If you are going to take over from someone, he cannot come and say, but you are one of mine. But yesterday you still collected a bribe. But what about this and that, that is not right, that is a sin that you are still doing, and now you want to topple over the kingdom of darkness? So every time we are supposed to be checking ourselves and saying, is there anything in me? Search me, O Lord, and know my heart today, and see if there is any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way of life eternal. And as he shows us these things, we surrender them so that you can stand like Jesus and say, the, the enemy came, but he has nothing of himself in me. And Jesus says, everything he did, he said, greater works you can do. So we can't even say, oh, that's Jesus now. Ah, how can a human being, normal human being say that uh, uh, the enemy has nothing in them? Ha. Ah. No, he says, greater works you will even do. So if Jesus could stand and say, the enemy has nothing in me, then yes, you can come to that point where we are able to say, I have nothing that belongs to the devil in me. I'm completely, completely redeemed by Christ and is helping me to remain pure on the way of life eternal. All right? So God has cleaned you up and he says you are worthy of, of him. You are worthy of the calling that he has called you. You are worthy of this life, this extravagant life that he has set aside for you and is eager for you to start to walk on the mountain that you have been called to. And if you say, well, I'm doing well actually on the mountain that I am, I'm the MD of ABC company, I'm actually this, I'm actually that, uh, there is always room for growth. There is always room for growth. We are, the idea is for us to be in charge. The idea is for us to be in charge so that we can establish God's priority and God's kingdom. Okay? And we have talked about how discipline is essential. 
because no matter how skilled uh, a person appears to be or talented from birth, uh, if they're not disciplined, then uh, people will go to somebody else who, is, who has a better character, actually. They can know that this person is better at this job, but if the person is always missing deadlines, maybe, maybe a fashion designer, always missing deadlines, unreliable, uh, says A means B, people will forget about that talent and they will go to someone else who is not as talented, but who may be uh, reliable, dependable, and who is working on improving their skills. So we need both. You need to be skilled, you need to be disciplined. Your yes needs to be yes, and your no needs to be no. And again, just for the purpose of mentioning uh, some of the different mountains that God expects to have his representatives on, include the mountain of family, the mountain of family, there's a mountain of family, and we are expected to be at the top of that mountain, influencing the children from when they are young for Christ. And the Bible says, train up a child in the way he will go. And when he grows, he will not depart from it. So God wants us to represent him on that mountain, both at the minimal level of your immediate family. And if you are sitting on that mountain, actually, at the top of that mountain, you are supposed to represent God, ensuring that every child in the world, <laughs> or every child that you have been sent to, becomes aware of Christ, receives Christ, lives a life that pleases the Lord, and grows and matures in God. And He will teach you creative ways to do it. For some of us, it's going to be knowledge. You are sharing knowledge. For some of us, it's going to be different innovations, technology, infrastructure. You may be building apps. You may be creating content. You may be creating uh, skits. You may be doing cartoons. There are different ways, infrastructures, policy making. So it is your decision to sit with God and find out what he expects of you and as the doors open for you to boldly take a step and take the mountain for him. So secondly, we said we were going to be talking about the oneness of believers in Christ and this we find in verses 4 to 6 of uh, Ephesians 4 that we're studying today. It says you were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction, we're all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction. So stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who rules over all, walks through all, and is present in all. Everything you are, <laughs> Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness, oneness, oneness. This is, there's so many things that they list that we have in common. One master, a God, one faith. We have one faith. This, the one that, that blows my mind, it says we have one spirit. So if we have one spirit, the same Holy Spirit that is regulating you and regulating me, then we should be able to, to, to like see eye to eye on core things, on things that are important 
and essential things that are unchangeable we should be able to see eye to eye on those things and beyond the things that we see I what the things that we don't even see eye to eye on the Holy Spirit should still be able to regulate us if we allow him so it is you and I that need to give him more space and yield because we have one spirit so if even if we 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 don't have and he says it uh, as we read further he says that that doesn't mean the, the A part of seven. He says that doesn't mean you should all look and speak and act the same way. So we may not speak the same way. We may not look the same way. We may not act the same way. But we have more things in common than we have not in common. The things that bind us together are stronger. They are more important than the things that we have that are different. So maybe we speak differently, but the same uh, message proceeds from all of us. We, we may act differently in the sense that the way you fulfill uh, the assignments that God has given to you may be different from the way I fulfill mine. But essentially, if we're both doing it to the glory of God, then we have the same destination. It says you are on the same road and you are traveling in the same direction. So we have to maintain the oneness. We have to give everything that it takes to maintain the oneness. And then one thing that helps is this. When you look at the people that you say they're your blood relatives, maybe your parents, your siblings, yeah, your relatives, you say, ah, the person is my family because we are related by blood, right? Now, look at it this way. You and I, we have one baptism. We have one Christ, the same Christ that died for you, died for me. And it is by his blood that we were redeemed and made co-inheritors of eternal life that we were made children of God. So by the blood of Jesus that brought you and I into the equation, we are family. It is what it is. You may speak a different language. You may look differently, dress differently. But if we have the same Christ, then we are family members. We are blood siblings. And when we know that, then we will be able to, to, to give what it takes to maintain this oneness. And it says this oneness must be maintained both in inwardly and outwardly. This is to say that within you, I think it was Nathaniel, one of Jesus' uh, disciples, and he says, I saw you while you were under that tree. He says, look at a man without guile. That's a man. He was even, Jesus was not talking about himself. He was talking about someone that he was appointing as his disciple. And he says, this guy has no guile. There's nothing in this guy that is against his fellow man. You know, and if that is a testimony of one, it can be a testimony of all. So we have to keep working on it. We have to guard our hearts with all diligence. You must ensure that there is no guile. The things that we take offense at, the things you and I take offense at, they point at a deeper issue within us. Yes, so the person that is bringing the offense may have their own. We're all work in progress. But that you chose to take offense at A's reaction and not at 
this reaction, it speaks to something else within you. So before we get all self-righteous and decide to, 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 to take the option of getting angry and irreconcilable, nobody can beg you, can they see what the person did? Can you ask yourself first, why did this particular action from this particular person ruffle my feather? What is the deeper issue? For, some, for instance, let's say someone greeted you and you didn't like the way they greeted you because they acted as if you were mates. It may be that there's some level of inferiority complex that makes you feel like already you feel like you're not enough or you're not where your mates are, which is why somebody will now greet you and they may have actually greeted you as if you were mates. So I'm not saying they, they, they are right or you are wrong. I'm saying even if they are wrong, for you to take offense, you have to check and trace the pattern and say, why is this thing getting on my nerves? Because if you do know that I'm more than enough, I have everything that I need um, in God. And the one I don't have, he brings my fellow sisters and brothers to help me out. And you know that um i'm everything god says i am my identity in christ is rock solid that somebody greeted you as if you were younger than them should not even pick a feather from your your you shouldn't ruffle your feathers yes you may think about it and say mm, that's strange but <laughs> it, should, it shouldn't be something that we now have to start calling two three people to 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 resolve and all that so you want to look at the things that give you um uh, that wants to, 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 to cause dissension and ask, are they really worth it? Are they really worth the oneness? Why is it important that we walk in oneness? Christ said that when he was praying to the Father, he said that these people will be one as me and you, Father, are one. He was saying himself and the Father are one and that he was praying for us as believers to be one. He says, when we, are, when we believers are one, then the world will know that God sent him. There's a higher purpose that is tied to our oneness. And even in the Tower of Babel story, God said, these people have one mind. And because they have one mind, there's nothing they put their mind to that will be impossible for them. So there is a lot that is riding on our oneness. Yeah? And if you have questions... Please drop it. We are checking. Uh, in a few minutes, we'll be having Papi on board. So yes, let your questions roll. So oneness is important. Your oneness and my oneness is important to God. We are to mend fences. We are to relate as siblings because by the blood of Jesus, that is who we are. So the third thing that we are talking about is the gift of God. And I'll read that quickly and um, we'll talk a little bit about it. Um, it says in verse 7 to, to 11, actually, it says that doesn't mean you should all look and speak and act the same. It says out of the generosity of Christ, each of us is given his own gift. <laughs> this one uh, is deep. It says out of the generosity of Christ, each of us is given his own gift. It says the text for this is he climbed the high mountains, he captured the enemy and seized the plunder. He handed it out in gifts to the people. 
Is it not true that the one who climbed up also climbed down, down to the valley of the earth? And the one who climbed down is the one who climbed back up, up to the highest heaven. He handed out gifts above and below, filled heaven with his gifts, filled earth with his gifts. He handed out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, and pastor, teacher. So he says, out of the generosity of Christ, each of us is given his own gift. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that Christ is generous? Your likely answer is yes. He is generous. He died for us. He's generous. My second question is, do you think that Christ is generous to you? Do you look at the experiences of your life and you say, wow, Christ has been generous to me. Jesus Christ has helped me and he didn't just help me in a little way. He has actually generously helped me. And he says, the Bible does not lie. He's saying that Christ is generous. So if you're not having those experiences, that you have to check. You have to check. And there was something we learned on Sunday. Bible said, delete the lies. So if you're not having those experiences, it's because maybe you're listening to some lies of the devil that is telling you there are some people that are more favorite to Christ than you are. We are God's favorite house. We are. So you are God's favorite. I am God's favorite. And out of his generosity, Christ has given you and I his gifts. So what does that tell us? It tells you that you have everything that you need for life and godliness within you already. He has given you everything that you need. Everybody has a gift. We learned that two weeks ago. And Papi gave us an assignment. He says you should ask people. He says, what are the spiritual gifts that you notice in me? When you hear the different spiritual gifts, which one comes to mind when you think of me? He says, what are the things I'm doing when you see Jesus in me? And how do I make JFH a better place? And I dare say, how do I make the world a better place because of the gift that Christ has given me? I hope you did the assignment. Go and do it if you haven't done it. Because when you know your gift, you can serve the world. You can serve God with it and represent God in the church, in God's favorite house and out there. You can represent God. And it says a man's gift makes way for him. So if, if it looks like everywhere is, is like OD, like there's no way out, no way forward, then you want to check your gift and say, which of my gifts am I not utilizing? Because what you need has already been made available to us. And as we wait for Pape, I will say again that, and he said this, he said all of us have gifts. Welcome, sir. <laughs> oh, welcome, Papi. So you have gifts. I have gifts. Your gift may be apparent. Maybe the worship leader's gift is more apparent. And the intercessor's gift is coded. But Christ sees. Christ knows. Christ rewards. So make welcome with me, Papi. <laughs> Hola. ¿Cómo estás? Hasta mí. I don't know the next one. Bien. 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 Amazing teaching, uh, uh, Pastor Duki. Well done. Thank uh, you. Sir. Totally, totally amazing. You, you just said something that you know. 
just now that blew me away, you know. I mean, and it's uh, <laughs> and it's um, it's huge, you know, because many times um, in in pastoring, as 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 you know, is helping people. I mean, get to that next level in God, helping people move from where they are to where they really ought to be, and sometimes it, it, the doors this needs to shut at people for them to realize that, look, there's something God wants, you know, and like you said, you know, when it's as if the doors are shut, check which gifts you have neglected, you know, and hmm. because the gift of a man makes room for him. For like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Papi, I have questions. Okay. I'm also checking if our people have questions, but I'll go first. So my question is this. Sometimes, uh, well, from the last couple of months, we are realizing that we have to be on top of our mountains. And for some of us, we are now trying to say, okay, how do I get there? from here to there. So what are like maybe some of the general things that a person can do um, to get there? Uh, okay. So um, I think we started talking about that inadvertently, you know, which is how do I go from this point on the mountain to this point on the mountain? And, you know, what you landed on the gift is is so powerful, you know. So sometimes the the gift that is what takes you, what brought you here, is not enough to take you there. Mm. So, um, so maybe what brought you here is 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 um, diligence in a particular gift. Mm. What will take you to the next level sometimes is not diligence. Everybody has diligence. What yeah. with everybody on that level you are on already has diligence. What you take it to the next level could be humility, could be could be your your capacity to serve. So so um when you are on the level of, of, of diligence, you are getting your task done, you know, and all that stuff, it gets rewarded now. So I mean that that's like low one of the lowest levels because many people can be diligent. Then taking that to service. It's a totally different thing entirely. So, you, and, and you cannot serve without being humble. So, you cannot serve without being, being humble. So, um, sometimes it is deploying the same gift in with another virtue. So, mm. it's the, the virtue of service. So, you are serving. And, and to take it higher, you will discover that it is what service will do is increase your um, connections because people love people that serve. People love to be around people that, that add value, that, that look out for other people's interests. So, so you are forming connections. You are forming networks, if you will. You are forming connections. You are forming connections and you are adding value on those levels. Now, many times to, to get to that level, you need someone that has access to that level to, to speak for you and invite you up there because some things are invitational alone. And if you have been um, child, um, 
insecure, chatty. Um, you are, you are, uh, they can't trust you. You know, you look everybody's secrets. You know, you rumor monger. You know, they, they look at you and like this one. You know, people always have an opinion. So, and they're like, this one, no, 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 no. So, the people that should invite you, so it's not, it's not beyond the people that know you or the people that you know. It is now, what do the people that know you and you know think about you? What do they think about you? So, when, when they think of Bookie, am I thinking, oh, yeah, I need to bring her up. You know, she needs to step up on this level. She has shown diligence. She has shown that she's discreet. She has shown maturity. And that and from that level, once you it's invitational, you know, it's it is invitational. Something in the spirit, something in the spirit. There are levels you get to in the spirit that you cannot get higher, except a human being, a human being that has been on that higher level. A human being. You know, people, people think they can treat people like crap and, you know, oh, I'm fellowshipping with the Holy Ghost. I will see your time. It is a human being that has been on that level that God will use to take you to and invite you to that higher level that you are thank you sir and thank you for insisting that it is human beings that god will use so we can actually pay attention my second question sir right so looking at the gifts i see that sometimes we tend to assume that the gifts are to be used uh, maybe in spiritual settings alone. But I have heard you say before that the gift of discernment, for instance, you have used it in the workplace way back and you continue to use that thing as you meet people. Then when we are praying towards God, uh, we do it again, there's a, a phrase you always repeat, you say, Lord, I thank you for the gift of administration. And so I went to search for that gift, and I saw that it was actually a gift in the Bible. And so I thought, what if people who are administrators? And I actually took this, one of like the uh, people I lead, and they're administrators. I'm like, this is a gift. Too. So I want to ask Papi, um, can you help like maybe draw more links between some of the gifts and how we can actually use them in the marketplace? So that's a brilliant question. Now, um, you, like, like you said, many times people don't know that there's a spiritual gift that empowers their marketplace engagement and takes them to another level. So a teacher in school can just be teaching and know how to teach. But there is a spiritual gift called teaching. There's a teaching gift. When that teaching gift is upon a human being, you make the people that don't know maths know maths. Wow. <laughs> you know, when this is upon you, you 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 make the people that say physics is not my own. 
but by the time you break physics down, mm. you're like, oh, okay, okay, I can understand physics. So, same thing with administration, like you, like you mentioned. There are a lot of people, I mean, there almost no role before you even get to, even as a CEO, almost no role in the marketplace doesn't require administration. Yeah. Almost no role. So, you, you, if, you, if you say, oh, I'm not an administrator, and, you know, but if you have the gift of administration, you know, I'm by the grace of God. I mean, if you don't know they exist, you may not pay attention, and you may not even know you have them. If you don't know you have them, you can't nurture them. And if you don't nurture, it can't grow. Now, also, even if you don't have them, you can't know that it's missing. So you cannot quest for it and push for it in the spirit until you get it. Now, administration, for instance, and I mean, I like to sit down and take stuff. I'm grateful to God for the gift of administration. I discovered it years ago. And I said, this is administration. I know it's not the center of my calling, but I know it's indispensable to my calling. Mm. So I continue to appreciate God for it. I thank you for the gift of administration. And guess what? It grows and grows and grows and grows. Now, you could say, some people say, oh, I'm a CEO. I want to be a CEO. God's coming to be a CEO. I'm not an administrator. And I'm like, <laughs> no. Everyone, even if you're in finance, even if you're in, in whatever role, they are selling gifts. Okay, should I talk about the prophetic? You know, yes, sir. You know, <laughs> you know the, the prophetic of knowing what this is foretelling. You know, there are two types, two parts of in the prophetic. There's foretelling, and there's foretelling. Now, I'm not talking about foretelling. No, I'm talking about foretelling. Now, in foretelling, God reveals to you events that are yet to happen. Everybody else is going but you can see. And because you can see, in the marketplace, you can position. Because you can position, by the time the wave hits, everybody is trying to react. You are already positioned. Look at Noah. It's, 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 it is not described as prophetic, but it's prophetic what Noah did. Noah was building the ark before it started raining. And the, the, the I mean, if you remember that Yoruba, uh, some presentation of that, that everybody was mocking Noah. Everybody was saying, you know, in a busy Noah, you know, and all that stuff. But when the rain hit, Everybody was saying, Noah, Noah, Joe, she let me have You know, you know that song. Same yeah. thing. I've, I've shared this before. I've shared there a lot of examples in my life, but I've shared this because I've shared it before. I was sitting down years ago, I can't remember my And I was in my office, minding my own business, like, you know, Lagos boy, minding my own business. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, Buy Bitcoin. If that was that was that was prophetic. That was something is going to happen in the future, my boy. I see how you are laboring here. You are not running after gain. But I want you to be profitable. Let me buy Bitcoin, and I bought it. And I bought it less than a thousand dollars. Maybe Bitcoin less than a thousand dollars. And boom, it uh, was too. Uh, how? You know and. You know, people will look at you and say, oh, oh, maybe he did jazz for money. 
or people that say, uh, like, uh, I think Shire was teaching us, as they were saying that, some people say, oh, you can't prosper in Lagos without being corrupt. Mm -hmm. It's because you are disconnected from the source. That's why you think you must be corrupt to prosper. If you are connected to the source, it says that where there is a path that the fire of the air has not seen. Hallelujah. There's a path that even the vultures, the eagles have not seen. God says, I will show you that path. Let me, I will lead you in that path. So my job is to stay in that place where I can see, you know. And, you know, of course, marketplace engagement, discernment, it will save you, you know. In a meeting, a board meeting, they say, keep quiet. On this matter, you must not say anything. Oh, you are boiling. You want to speak. You want to, they say, keep quiet. You must not speak. If you obey the Holy Ghost and you keep quiet, you need to return in your favor. Mm -hmm. wow. You know, so, yeah. So that's, that's, I hope that helps. Oh, tremendously. I can imagine what the chat rooms will be like now. <laughs> okay, so, well, I have a question for you. Yes. A couple of questions for you. I mean, <laughs> or, or should I say, I want us to, I want us to, to I want us to, um, to talk about something, okay, you know, so. I mean, a couple of things that you, you mentioned, so which is, you know, you, you talked about um, the things we take offense at point at a deeper issue within us, you know, as a pastor from where I sit, from where I stand, as we call it a bandit position, this statement is is uh, is truer than truth. <laughs> if there's anything like that, <laughs> you know. Why do we fall prey for this so easily, Pastor Buki? Ah, I think I think because it's the easiest thing to do. Because it's tougher to actually see what is wrong in myself uh, than it is to see what is wrong with the other person. Uh, so when we, we want to live like on the flimsy side of life, not taking deep account of our lives and being responsible for our actions, for our thoughts, for the emotions that we allow to rule over us, then it is just easy to just immediately throw the blame at somebody else. But the more we do that, the more difficult it is to find a way out. So the time that should be used to constructively stand on the top of the mountains and Look at the path, that path that you were talking about, that the eagles don't know of, that God wants to show us so that we can rise above. We're too busy being tied up in different anger, different emotions. And I honestly believe that nobody has power to make you feel any way that you don't want to, that you can choose regardless of actions from any other party to guard your heart and the holy spirit helps us so it's a choice that one must make and say my life is i'm the one 
this one I can control. I can't control the other person. So to control this one, I'm going to look at what I did wrong and I'm going to adjust myself and trust that God will look at the integrity of my heart and he will help me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so do, do, do we say then that um, in alignment with what this is, uh, Sunday someone, when, we, when I say that we, 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 we have three enemies, the, um, Satan, the world, and self. self. And, and I say that the biggest enemy you will ever face in your life is yourself. Yes. You know, <laughs> it's, not, you know it's not Satan. It's not the world. The biggest enemy that you have is yourself. Stand in front of the mirror. The person you see, that's your biggest enemy. Excuse me. The moment you embrace that truth, there's a deliverance that comes from that. Accepting it first. Then, before you can begin to seek the help of the Lord, and say, Help me. Help me. Help me. Until that happens, you will begin to blame this person, blame that person. Oh, they don't know how to behave. Oh, you are the problem. He won't hear me now. You know that uh, expression. Now, 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 I mean, I, I was sharing with my colleagues yesterday uh, at the office, um, um, at the church office, at the HQ in Lagos, you know, um, not my colleagues here in Dallas. So, <laughs> you know, I, I was saying that, look, just like Isaiah, before Isaiah, before we go to Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah was woe to the uh, king of Cher uh, Cherosim, woe to the king of Assyria, woe to this person, woe to you, you disobeyed the Lord. Now, it is the issue he had with them is because he feels that they are not behaving like quote unquote Christians. So, so he had that issue. He disobeyed the Lord. Yari, yari, yari. Yari, yari, yari. By the time we get to uh, Isaiah chapter 6, And he saw God's glory. Is, me. <laughs> no, I am undone. So, so, so a couple of things from that. When you see people that are so critical of other people, it tells you that they don't know the presence of God. Yes. When you make your way into God's presence, you be gentle. That's the first thing. That we will see about you, you will be, you will be, you will, you will be, ara ara, you know. How do you say that in English? <laughs> you will uh, calm down. You will oh, calm oh. down. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the first thing we will see. Mm. And then the second thing is that you will see that ah, you are undone. That you are the problem. That's the place Paul got to in Romans 7 that we learned last week. And Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am. This was an apostle. He got to that place and said, ah, 
who will deliver me from this body of death? So the picture Paul had was, you know, the picture I painted was actually, when it's a body of death, was that tying a dead, dead person to a living person. So the, dead, the living person has to go everywhere with this dead body. The dead body is decaying. The dead body is thinking, the dead body is bloating, the everything is the maggots, they are flying, you are carrying. That is how Paul felt. Many times, when we still think other people are the problem, it's because we've not seen God. So, what we should do is truly seek God. I say, show me myself. Show me myself. I told you, I've shared it before. The day God was privileged, God was um, um, kind enough to show me myself. <laughs> Back then. Uh, can you remember that shit? That, that, that time? That time, folks? Uh, oh, but I'm sure people want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay, I'll, I'll share. So, long time ago, this was the at least 15 years ago. Of course, I was a pastor. I was doing workers, um, we used to do workers evaluation there. Mm-hmm. And we now read everyone that is serving, you know, I will make it public, you know. Mm-hmm. In retrospect, it must have been very embarrassing for them. <laughs> but that was how I was operating. You know, I would deal with everybody, share everybody's lapses, this is how Christians should behave. This is. So the night before we were going to do that, I finished praying. God just took me on a journey. Okay, mm-hmm. I get to show everybody tomorrow themselves. Come and see you. Your own first. <laughs> Come and see your own uh, uh, report card. Come and see your own report card. Bookie, mm-hmm. let's leave it there. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> let's just let's just leave it there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wrong. Mm-hmm. You. You know what that means? Yes, my sir. Body, my body was coming down. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Papi, did you say show everybody down? <laughs> Let's change the topic. Wow. Thank you, Papi. It's been yeah. such an amazing, uh, insightful co- uh, conversation. I'm definitely going to go and listen to this again. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> well done, Papi. Amen. Amazing session. God bless you. Amen. Okay, everybody else, thank you for joining us. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make yes. His face shine upon you. And be gracious unto you. <clears throat> the Lord lift up his countenance upon you Amen. and give you peace. Amen. And so shall it be. Amen. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. Amen. So let us um, remember that.
this is our year of lifting and we are lifted all the way all the way god bless you Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.